All right. Are we ready? Week two. Uh, now, for those of you that were here last week, remember we did a bonfire chat on friendship. And if you don't know what a bonfire chat, that means you can totally interrupt me. Uh, today, it probably would be fun and entertaining. Um, <laughs> see how well I get off track and can get back on track. But, you know, if you have questions, comments, uh, anything, you know, be like, well, hey, what about this? What about that? That's what a bonfire chat is to me. It's just a chance for us as a family to chat about things important to generations. And last week, we talked about friendship. And I have to recap because today we build on that. So last week we talked about the four barriers that prevent us from going and getting true friends. And then we talked about, uh, so we had the four barriers of, you know, I'm not interesting enough or they have too many friends. And then we talked about some of the, the tangible benefits that you get biblically of having a true friend, you know, that, from Solomon, you know, wisest guy that ever lived. Um, and so... We talked about that, and then we talked about the four ways to actually go and start initiating. That was the very first one, remember, friends. Everyone remember how you initiate? Does anyone remember the one question you don't ask in church? Is this, man, you guys do remember. Is this your first Sunday uh, when you're initiating friends in church? That's the one question never to ask. What's the, how do you phrase it, though? Oh, man. Job well done, guys. How long have you been coming? Is, you know, excellent. Um, so... <laughs> This week, we're going we're gonna to build on that um, and talk about hospitality. But before we dive into that, I want to talk, how many of you remember growing up as, fr- and you would grow up and you'd go over to your friend's house. I'd go over to my friend's house all the time. I think my mom just was trying to pawn off a hyperactive child. Um, but I'd go over to my friend's house and we'd play. And, you know, this was back in the day when you actually played outside and rode bikes and, you know, rode to your friend's house and we'd go down to 7-Eleven. And, and I had certain friends that we would... We'd play, and it'd be 90 degrees outside, and you'd come in, and we'd have to ask their parents even for a drink of water. It'd be like, um, excuse me, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Morrison, can, can we have a glass of water? You know, it's only 90 degrees outside. Um, and, you know, and some of you parents say, well, I make my kids ask for water and food and stuff, because, you know, have you seen what pubescent boys can do to a pantry? They're like locusts. They could decimate it in seconds, including the actual wire racking if they're hungry enough. So, you know, I get why your friends probably were like, uh, you need to ask before you get anything to drink or eat. But, but it wasn't that. It was cold. It was very mechanical. It wasn't, it wasn't a, an environment where you could just help yourself in a sense. And, you know, and as you can tell, I'm a guy who likes to help myself. But, you know, it, w- it was very cold. And then on the other spectrum, I had friends' houses that we'd go over, and it was, it was, it was truly a buffet. You know, we could go in. We could have fruit snacks. We could have whatever. I had one family friend that actually had a fridge stocked full of uh, sodas. And you just go in and help yourself. Never had to ask. And for a pubescent boy, a 12-ounce can of nothing but sugar and caffeine, a little bit of heaven, let's be honest. After about eight, they'd be like, okay, Isaiah, I think we need to stop. You know, I'm joking. They'd stop me about six. But, you know, it was wide open. And, and yeah, yeah, the other friends whose grandparents, we'd go over to their grandparents' house and play. And... The, their grandmother would bring us out big sticks. Anyone ever remember big sticks? The popsicle brand big sticks? Oh, you are missing out. This is like uh, cherry and orange and strawberry all mixed into one popsicle. And it was, you know, it was a, a big stick of popsicle. You know, great branding name. Um, but she'd bring those out. She'd be like, you boys have been playing outside all afternoon. So great. She, you know, country grandmother from Arkansas. That's where they're from. You know, here's some big sticks, y'all. You want a Coke with it? And like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Liquid caffeine. Um, and growing up, I didn't know why it was that these friends over here, when I got invited, I dreaded going over their house. I just hated it. I hated being in that environment. And I'd be like, oh, can we just play at my house? 
Um, let's just go to the park. You know, but when these friends called and be like, yeah, man, I, I'd be begging my parents, please take me. You know, call your uncle, see if they'll give you a ride. Okay, uncle, please come pick me up. You know, and part of it was I actually grew up in this type of environment. And if you guys know my mom, she, she, you know, I grew up in this environment. Literally, if I had friends over and it was dinner time, I never had to ask if they were staying for dinner. It was just naturally assumed. You know, you're here, we all need to eat, so they're going to stay for dinner. Uh, in our church, we grew up in a small church in California. We had a thing, our church was just having some uh, momentum issues and people just weren't connecting. And so my mom did, started this thing called Snack. You know, because in Christendom, we have to put acronyms to everything and make it sound cool, TNT, Snack. Snack was Sunday nights after church kickback. Coming to generations soon, don't worry. Um, we have to have Sunday night church first, but we'll get there. Uh, so snack, and simply all it was was my mother saying, listen, I have some cheese at home, I have some bread, some butter, and cans of tomato soup, and you all are welcome to come. She didn't say you all, because you know, we're from California, so it was you guys, you guys are all welcome to come on over, and we'll make grilled cheese sandwiches and soup. Just come on. Anyone come on? Come on. And, and that was the environment I grew up in. That's, and so I couldn't put words to it until I was older that what I was experiencing was actually the difference of someone who understood hospitality and someone who didn't. You know, a home that the person that has hospitality in is warm and inviting and welcoming. Isn't that truly the definition of hospitality is welcoming people in? You know, hospitality is not these, three, these things in my mind. Serving someone a meal. It's not hospitality. That's often what we think of hospitality. You know, they have hospitality tents at uh, NASCAR races. I didn't have a pass to. Couldn't have used it anyway. But uh, <laughs> never got there. But, you know, Ichthus has a hospitality tent, and all it is is a place we serve meals. But hospitality is not just serving someone a meal. Because how many of you have ever been to someone's house where it is cold? Or had someone over your house where, you know, you're trying to be all that you can be, and you're asking questions, and you're talking to, you know, you're asking, so what do you do for a living? What about this? And, and it's just like asking questions about them, and then at the end of the night, you're like, they never even asked a single question about us. We worked that entire meal just talking about them and their family, and they never even asked, so how long y'all lived here, or anything, or, you know, that's a nice painting, and your parents do that, nothing. And you've, you've been in those cold environments. So hospitality isn't necessarily serving a meal. Hospitality is not generosity. Oftentimes, I think when I was thinking through this, I was saying, you know, well, you know, people that are generous have hospitality, but not all all the time. It's true they they typically are linked. Typically, people that are willing to give you the shirt off their back and give away things have a natural tendency to hospitality, but not all the time. There are many people who just write checks to things. Just write a check. Just here. Just get away. And it's not because they have hospitality in their lives. They're just generous. So it's not necessarily generosity. Hospitality is not something we can choose to do biblically. And that's what we're going to study today. This was something I didn't realize. Uh, I should have realized because one of the verses talks about elders and pastors. And did you guys know that your elders and pastors, in order to be one, one of the criteria is a man who shows hospitality. Simply what it is. Someone who shows hospitality. And so... Hospitality is not something we can do. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn in here to Romans. Going to Paul this time. Chapter 12, and I did look up in the new uh, Action Bible, and there wasn't a good uh, sequence for this, so we're just going to read it from here. 
in case you want to know what that is, in G-Town and stuff, we're introducing a new comic book Bible for them to see picture-wise out with the flannel, flannel board in with the comic books. Um, so, uh, starting with verse 9, we want to re- I want to read through this. And as I was reading through this, I was really just like, wow, how this pertains to both friendship, getting a true friend, and hospitality. Because I think the two are linked. And I think if we all agreed last week that people are... are are more lonely now than they ever have been in their lives, and yet are, most con- are more connected. I think we all could agree that hospitality is pretty much gone. Hospitality is pretty much dead in a lot of society. Um, I don't, at my work, I'll tell people, that, you know, they'll ask you, so what'd you do last week? What'd you do? And there are certain people, when I tell them how many, I had so-and-so over, so-and-so, you actually had people over at your house? Yeah, it's amazing, and they didn't rob me. You know, it's kind of cool. These Christians, I know you got to watch out. But um, so let's read here, starting with verse nine. Just don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. I think this starts really with the friendship track. I think Paul, you know, we talked last week about the four steps to making friends. You know, you ask questions. You know, you take time, you invest, you initiate, and we talked about how that can feel like you're very you're manipulating the situation, really. Well, you're right, and I agreed that, that those four steps to get a, a friend can, can feel that way. But if you're doing it out of true love for someone, then it's not manipulation. But I believe if you are doing it to pretend to love others, that's the case. And if you truly are loving others, what are you going to do? You're going to hate what's wrong in their lives, and then you're going to hold tightly to what is good. We talked about that, that a true friend is going to celebrate a big win in your life. They're going to they're gonna be so excited when you get that new car, that new job, or, or you know, uh, whatever it may be that's important in your life. And then, and then you know, they're going to be your friends that are going to kick your butt when you need it. And some of us need a good kicking of our butts every now and then. Thank goodness I have good friends. Um, love one another with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Again, back to that. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. We'll come back to that because I think that's an important verse for us. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble keep, and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And what's that last one say? Always be eager to practice hospitality. Some versions actually don't even put the always be eager. It kind of gives you an option, doesn't it? It kind of gives you an option out. You're like, well, always be eager. Well, I'm not eager today to show hospitality. I'm not eager to really do it, so I'm just not going to do it. Some versions just get rid of that. And they, start, they just say, show hospitality. I think some of the reasons, and I want to concentrate here on some reasons why we don't show hospitality as a society as a whole. It's number one reason is, I think we just are so inward focused. You know, we're so worried about ourselves. We're so worried about what's going on in our lives that we just get so inward focused that we forget to look up and look at others. And then if we do, what's the problem? We look up and we look at others, and the very next thing comes out that I hear a lot of times in church land, uh, for those who are really good at hospitality, the very first thing they say is, Isaiah, you know what? I'm tired of initiating. I'm tired of having everyone over. I'm the one always buying the meat and having everyone over and, and giving them a good time. I never get invited over to anyone else's house. I get that. I understand that. But this is where I think Paul's verse for us in that situation, never be lazy and work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. See, I don't know if you get this, but hospitality and serving others is a way of serving God. 
when we, when we are welcoming to other people, when we are welcoming people into our home and we are loving strangers and we're, we're just guiding them along in this thing called life and we're trying to become friends with them so that way we can help each other, we can rejoice when there needs to be rejoiced and we can kick each other's butt when we need to kick each other's butt. You know, when you're working through that process as a community of believers, you know, that is how we are serving and showing God to others. That is how we bring people in the fold. Has anyone here ever been saved by a person standing on a soapbox with a bullhorn yelling at you, telling you, turn or burn? You're going to hell. Turn or burn. Turn or burn. No. It's all out of relationship. It's all out of community. It's all out of someone who said, you know what? I'm going to love you despite, and I'm going to welcome you in, and I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to be a part of you. And that's really what hospitality is. It's the opening of the arms and welcoming people in, strangers in, and saying, you know what? Come on. Come on, this is all I have. And that's usually the other excuse I hear too when people say, you know, I'll ask, well, why don't you have people over your house? Well, my house is too small. Okay. My house out in California was like 1,100 square feet and we'd fit 40, 50 people in there. Cram them in. Push, don't shove. That's where that saying came from with my dad. It worked great last night at NASCAR too. Push, don't shove. But you know, just get, you know, always room for one more. But we think, you know, and then sometimes we think, what, we have to have the perfect house. We have to have this Betty uh, Crocker or Better Homes and Garden style home that, that, you know, everything is in its place and every place is a thing and it's, it's immaculate. You know, and, and I now know that those houses, if they do exist, they don't have children in them. Because, you know, no one ever told me, and it's probably a good thing, that when you have children in your home, you go, you what, you clean? And if I'm cleaning this way, what happens? I have two tornadoes right behind me tearing up what I just did, which is really bad because my wife's love language is service. So I like to clean the house and do things for her because it's it, just a way to show that I love her. And so I'll do extra things. And then I literally I'll come back and I'll be like, boys, your mother's going to be home in five minutes. I just cleaned all this. She'll think we've watched TV all afternoon. You know, if it was going to stay like this, we should have just watched TV and, you know, goofed off, I guess. Yeah, and then she'll come home and be like, I promise I really cleaned, I'd really tried, you know, but, ah, you know, and they're just, you know, smiling, mommy, love you, you know, and so right now it's all good, it still wins, and, but, but, you know, we think we have to have this perfect home, or, or maybe that you have to have a perfect meal, that, that if you are going to invite someone over, because hospitality usually does take around a meal, even though it's not the sole thing, that, you know, well, what do I serve people, maybe, I, you know, do I have to serve them steak, no, I've been, when I invite people over, hey, we're going to throw some hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill. I might get you a bag of chips, and if you're lucky, a, a thing of baked beans. And, and, you know, we got some Diet Cokes. And if you want something else beyond that, bring it yourself, and away we go. It's that simple. The whole thing is, though, is when you invite people in to your homes and your lives, it's just making them feel welcome. You know, hey, there's the glasses. Help yourself. This, you know, I love the Spanish saying, mi casa, su casa, Right? The other thing that I find, too, now that I have kiddos, is how many people don't practice hospitality because of kids? Well, I'd love to, but, you know, I've, you have two kids. Or I'd love to invite that family over, but, you know, they've got, they're, they're the Duggars. Hey, yeah, that's 19 <laughs> and counting. You know, you know it's, it's feed an army. You know, we, but don't, you laugh, but we, we prevent children sometimes from letting us do hospitality because we don't want people to either be imposed with our kids or, or you know, maybe they might see that 
in my case, they might see that the pastor children can be wild and crazy and not cute like they are around here, you know, Will and Joel batting their eyes and saying hi and loving and hugging. And, you know, you can see that they're like, you know, wild children, which they are, and they get it all from their mother. Um, but, you know, we let kids prevent us from doing that. And so all these barriers stop us from showing hospitality. And so I think that friendship is important. We talked about that. I think hospitality is the second groove that goes together with that, that, that you invite people into your lives, and then you welcome, and you have to be welcoming and show them in. And, and the benefit of that is that that's how God wants it. The benefit of that is, isn't that what God does to us? God says, you know what? You don't deserve my grace. You don't deserve anything, and I'm going to welcome you in any way. I'm going to love you. So, you know, when, when I sit there and go, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm the only one always initiating. You know, every weekend it seems like I'm trying to invite someone else over from church. Yeah, but doesn't God initiate for you, Isaiah, every single day of your life? Isn't Jesus going before the throne and saying, you know what, that one's mine. He doesn't deserve it, but I'm going to welcome him in anyways. And imagine how it would be if we were known more as Christians and globally for our hospitality. We don't have to look far. We can turn an entire empire around. I stood where Christians used to be burned, dipped in tar to light the night for Nero. And it was amazing to stand there and be like, wow, this is the Roman circus. And then the very next, that afternoon, standing in the very first Christian church inside the Roman walls. Because the Christians were known for their hospitality and love for each other. They were known for if someone was in need and they were part of that community, they would get it. They were known for opening their homes. And I think that's why this is important to Paul. This is written to the Romans. And Paul is saying, you know, be eager to practice hospitality. You're not going to win over people by force. It doesn't work that way. You have to be welcoming. You have to be loving. We can turn an entire community around. This small band of like 40 people who are here right now, if we were all known for our hospitality, if we were all known for our friendship, and giving each other the things off our back. And that's why it's important. And some of you are great at this. So, you know, if you're sitting there saying, well, Isaiah, you know, you're browbeating me over something that I already do. That's great. Keep doing it. I want to encourage you to keep doing it. I want to be like Paul and say, you know, don't forget the end prize. The end prize is one day standing in God's glory and saying, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. That's the end goal. What we do here on earth is serving his people day in and day out the ones that are found, the ones that are lost. And we can turn an entire city around through hospitality. I have some homework for you. My homework is this. By the end of summer, I would like each and every one of you to invite someone over to your home that you don't know. That you don't know. You know, Say, hey, I know your name. I know you may work here. And that's about it. Would you like to come over? And the great thing is it doesn't have to be long. It can be a couple hours. If you have kids, nap time's a great breaking point. You know, bedtime's are great breaking points. And if you, you know, old, old like getting older, you know, I'm, I'm more and more, and bedtime for me is important. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a five-hour ordeal. It's simply opening your home and welcoming someone you don't know. And then if you are that person that gets invited, here's your homework. Invite the person that invited you over within two weeks reciprocate. Ooh. And say, you know what? This is fun. Why don't you all come over to our house next time, and we'll try this. 
That's your homework. I want to hear, I want to see on Facebook, post of people doing this. It would bring a lot of joy to my heart and Max's heart, who I've just found out hasn't left yet, so, you know, they're running behind. But, I mean, let's try it as a group because it's that important. And that's what summer training is about, is that these are the things that are important to us in generations. And it's having a community of believers who move towards true friendships and who are welcoming. And, and we're going to keep this on the forefront so we don't forget. Because even Paul had to keep it on the forefront of his believers. And in ancient Near Eastern times, hospitality was, was expected. It was, it was done quite frequently. All right? Any questions? That was a 20-minute sermon, 18 minutes. A lot shorter than last week, but we have communion too. No questions? Remember, bonfire chat. I was expecting something. Oh, wasn't it supposed to be fun? It is going to be fun. You know why? You get to get some bread and some juice, and you get to dip the bread in the juice, and you get to eat. How many other times? Well, that's, and that's the pinnacle. That's why we end with that. It's, yeah, you know, it's like, like life. You have to go through some of the rough stuff to get to the fun stuff. You want me to do you a magic trick or something? So, I know. There you go. <laughs> Reese, I love you being in here, dude. Truly do. Anything else? How about we pray and ask?